This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. I'm Jimmy Fallon. I'm Ainsley Earhart. I'm Bill Hemmer, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Wednesday, November 1st, 2023. I'm Dave Anthony. As the House and Senate consider more aid to Israel, we talked to a congressman just back from a trip there, seeing the aftermath and evidence of Hamas's terror attack that started the war. You've got to understand, I have multiple combat tours on several continents as a Navy SEAL and as a combat medic, so I've seen some of the most horrific and graphic things you can possibly imagine. And this was so far beyond the pale so antithetical to what I would just call basic human uh, beliefs. I'm Jessica Rosenthal. Mideast conflict is shaping campaign trail conversations. The question is how long will it do so? As U.S. officials say they hope the conflict does not expand. You know, if you're going to be the next president, you know, you don't take over until January of 2025. And so trying to guess today what circumstances will look like on the ground in Israel, throughout the Middle East, and Ukraine for that matter. Um, It's just a pure guessing game. And I'm Tommy Lahren. I've got the final word on the Fox News Rundown. Israel keeps attacking Hamas inside Gaza, and the U.S. keeps helping. We're flowing security assistance into Israel at the speed of war. And Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin and Secretary of State Anthony Blinken urged senators at a hearing to approve more military aid for Israel and Ukraine. Russia and Iran are working together to challenge our leadership, uh, to hem us in globally, uh, to pose a growing threat uh, to our own security as well as to that of our allies and partners. But House Republicans are only willing right now to fund Israel's fight. Congressman Derek Van Orden from Wisconsin just went to Israel and documented some of what he saw on video. I'm in a house where two hostages were taken and the woman, her name was Rachel, was able to stall for enough time for the special units to come here to kill the terrorists by feeding them. And what he saw in that house and others made him more committed than ever to support Israel's war against terror. We have to get this story out about what took place in Israel. Uh, People now are actively denying that Certain things took place um, that did. Congressman Van Orden is also a retired Navy SEAL. And we warn you, some of what he's about to describe is really graphic. They are are protesting in support of a terrorist organization that committed the worst slaughter of Jews since the Holocaust. We have members of the United States Congress who actively support these terrorist groups. We have college campuses that are public funding calling for genocide of the Jewish people. And here's what no one can ever do, ever. Ever. No one can ever tell me that these acts of barbarity did not take place because I was with the people who were were responsible for cleaning up the aftermath. Where did you go, Congressman? The two different kibbutzims that were directly attacked. I went to the the grounds of the rave where the 200 plus children were slaughtered. Went to a couple different cities in Israel that were attacked. Went into the houses of these places where they're throwing tires in to smoke people out. Of their safe rooms. I talked to the people that were responsible for picking up these decapitated infants. Oh. I went to an emergency center where they started showing me these videos and I couldn't even finish watching them because they were so horrific. And one of them, it took me a while. 
I wish they had explained to me what it was ahead of time, but it took me a while to actually frame and understand what was taking place in the video. And you've got to understand, I have multiple combat tours on several continents as a Navy SEAL, and I was a combat medic, so I've seen some of the most horrific and graphic things you can possibly imagine. And this was so far beyond the pale, so antithetical to what I would just call basic human uh, beliefs. So that was video of the actual, of slaughtering? And, and video, video of a pregnant, a full-term pregnant woman who was gang raped. Uh, and then they were cutting the fetus out of her stomach uh, and, and then executed the child that's still connected to her by an umbilical cord and then executing her. That's savagery. And to call these people from Hamas anything other than beasts is not appropriate, man. The beasts intentionally targeted civilians. And they targeted them in a way, the most gruesome manner possible, telling people to cut arms and legs off while people are alive, uh, torturing people in front of their family members, gang raping mothers in front of their children and their husbands, uh, decapitating infants, burning them alive to the point where regular DNA stuff didn't even work. Uh, I spoke to a guy who two of his sons charged into battle. They were not, were not even in the army. They were both killed and one of them was burnt so badly that they had to use the DNA from his identical twin to identify him. Jeez. And that was done on purpose by Hamas over and over and over and over again. What's happening now in Gaza is the, the IDF, the Israeli Defense Forces, and some other groups there have gone so far and above out of their way to try to get civilians out of Gaza. Here's something else that other people understand. The people in Gaza voted Hamas into office. So they're elected into office. And the death of every single civilian or injury um, every building and bit of infrastructure that's destroyed due to the Israeli military operations now is lies directly at the feet of Hamas. But the people um, who the are pro-Palestinian con congressmen, the people who are calling for a ceasefire, I mean, there are more than 8,000 deaths. They say thousands of children have died in Gaza in the Israeli strikes. Hundreds of thousands of people are in shelters. There's no <clears> electricity. <throat> there's very little food and fuel. And their people are suffering. So... The humanitarian aid, they say, isn't enough, that the U.S. has to do more. Do you agree with that? No, I don't. Listen, war is horrible. The last war the United States of America won was World War II, 80 plus years ago. And you know why? Because we fought it to its fullest extent. And at no time did Winston Churchill and Franklin Delano Roosevelt have a discussion about rushing humanitarian aid to Nazi Germany or to fascist Italy or to Imperial Japan. That conversation didn't happen because they were at war. At the time, there wasn't the social old... media, though, Congressman. Now there's social media. People are seeing images. People see on the news how difficult life is for the civilians of Gaza. That's yeah. making the calls louder and louder. Yes, and I understand that completely. And as I said, war is horrible. And of anybody that doesn't want to go to war, it's me, because I spent my entire adult life at it. But war should be so terrible that you don't want to fight it anymore. Imagine if 50,000 Americans were butchered in a single day by an entity that you can readily identify. And if there was a terrorist group that was launching rockets from Mexico into San Diego, and this terrorist group launched a ground attack from Mexico into San Diego and slaughtered 50,000 San Diegans, brutally burning them alive, raping them, decapitating them, what type of response would we have? as a nation and what type of response would we have if uh 
the prime minister of Israel said, hey, you need to temper your actions. You need to be a little more cautious. You need to think this through. What would we tell the prime minister of Italy if 50,000 Americans were just butchered, murdered, raped, and mutilated? What would we tell them? Mind your own business. That's what we'd say. We'd say it's time to end this. Congressman, the House bill that will be considered Wednesday by the Rules Committee would only fund military aid to Israel, about $14 billion worth. There's nothing additional right now like President Biden wants for Ukraine. Do you support the House's version of this? Yes. Ukraine and Israel funding should be decoupled. There's a tremendous amount of corruption in Ukraine. We've given them over $1.5 billion in cash, not bullets and bombs and tanks, straight up cash. Where did that $1.5 billion go? There are mechanisms and channels for making sure that we have proper oversight of the expenditure of American taxpayers' dollars are rock solid with Israel, and they are not with the Ukraine. They simply are not. On that, I'd like you to hear what Defense Secretary Lord Austin, he, he said this to senators at Tuesday's hearing that was in defense of coupling military aid to Ukraine with Israel. He says that Russian leader Vladimir Putin is counting on us in the West to get tired of the war. Here's the secretary. If that's the case, if we don't support Ukraine, then Putin wins. But Putin will not stop in Ukraine. We know that. We all know that. And so I think it's important to do what's necessary to support Ukraine and Israel and to help them defend their sovereign territory. And Congressman, some of your fellow Republicans, including the Senate's minority leader, Mitch McConnell, agrees to put both together. What's your response? My response is this. The Secretary of Defense is an incompetent boob. I have yet to hear Secretary Austin apologize for screwing up uh, Afghanistan. As a matter of fact, I think he said it was a perfect operation. Millie said it was awesome. Joe Biden said it was flawless. So anybody who can say that about the debacle of Afghanistan, I don't trust his word on anything. And you got to remember, they they fought to a standstill. Russia has fought to a standstill in Ukraine over two years now. Does Lloyd Austin magically think that they're going to find their second wind and take over Ukraine and then push into uh, Poland or another NATO country? And then Article 5 is enacted and we destroy Russia utterly? No. There is something fundamentally wrong with the way the United States government is providing aid to Ukraine. I live in southwestern Wisconsin, and I have to explain to a dairy farmer who is milking a cow three times a day uh, why his tax dollars are going to Washington, D.C. and being sent to Ukraine to fight the Russians when they can't find Ukraine on the map. I think half, three quarters of the United States can't find Ukraine on a map, right? So I got to explain to him why his tax dollars are going to go do that. And I think it's a valid fight. Don't get me wrong. Vladimir Putin needs to be shut down, but it needs to be in a manner that I can explain it to the guy that's milking cows three times a day. And when we send money directly to an additional $100 million to Hamas so that they can continue their uh, slaughter of Jews, how do I explain that to the guy that's working at Quick Trip, which is our you know, Midwestern equivalent of 7-Eleven. It's nearly impossible. Well, they say they're sending it to Palestinian civilians. The Palestinian Authority and the Palestinian, uh, the Palestinians in Gaza Strip elected Hamas. They're sending the money to Hamas. Every dollar that you don't have to spend on a bandage, you're going to spend on a bullet, and they've proven that. They don't have fuel reserves. That's not true. Hamas has plenty of fuel. They're not just, they're just not sharing it with the civilians in Gaza. Congressman, a couple of times in the past few months, you've been accused of either being belligerent or surly or profane with White House staffers or with people from the Biden administration making presentations. This is your first year in Congress. Has it been frustrating? 
It has. And to be clear with your audience, I use no profanity, but I did take the Biden administration, the, their Department of Defense representatives, their intelligence representatives and their State Department representatives to task. You know why? Because they sent the B team over and they were lying to us or lying by omission. I've been there for 10 months and I have been frustrated by people going along to get along and taking these things from the executive branch, either because they don't understand um, how these things should work or because they're they're too afraid to stand up to somebody. Well, I'm not afraid. I'm never going to apologize for protecting American citizens ever. And why aren't Democrats up in arms? We have Rashida Tlaib and some other members of the House of Representatives that are demonstrating with Hamas. They're, they're behind Hamas. So when those people are shouting in these rallies, of which Ms. Tlaib was at one, from the river to the sea, that's from the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea, eradicating all Jews. That is Israel. So these demonstrators and these people in these college campuses and some of my colleagues in Congress, including this guy from Madison, Wisconsin, named Mark Pocan, they're calling for genocide. They claim when it's I the other way. Take place. They claim That's Israel's true, conducting a genocide in Gaza killing Palestinians. Fruit of the poisonous tree, my friend. You know how we know that's true? Because Israel wasn't doing this in Gaza on October 6th or October 7th. They started this on October 8th. If you had the ability to stop the Holocaust from happening, would you do so? I would. And anybody that's not okay with trying to prevent the Holocaust from happening again, I don't have a lot of time for you. Congressman Derek Van Orden, Republican from Wisconsin, thank you so much for your time. You're welcome. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This is Tommy Lahren with your Fox News commentary coming up. If foreign policy, namely the debate over Ukraine funding, shaped the divide among Republican presidential candidates before, the violence in the Middle East may have provided a bridge. This past weekend, most of the Republican presidential candidates told the Republican Jewish Coalition's annual event they stand with Israel. Tech entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy told the crowd he feels his views have been mischaracterized as anti-Israel, which he said is dead wrong. My message to you this morning will be, I believe, the most pro-Israel vision that you will hear today. But it's not going to take the form of standard GOP-approved talking points. Former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, and South Carolina Senator Tim Scott each offered their own defenses of Israel, as did former President Trump. We grieve with you. We share your anger. We stand with you 100%. But it is Nikki Haley who's rocketed ahead of her rivals, aside from Trump. As for early states, she's in second place in New Hampshire. The Des Moines Register has her tied for second with DeSantis in a new poll, and she's second in South Carolina. We must defend our freedom before it's too late. The stakes couldn't be higher. And given those stakes, 
We cannot have four years of chaos, vendettas, and drama. She then foreshadowed her belief that Trump would lose a 2024 general election and that President Biden would win. Eight years ago, it was good to have a leader who broke things. But right now, we need a leader who also knows how to put things back together. We can't survive a President Kamala Harris. But as far as 2024 presidential political news goes on the Republican side, it may have been Mike Pence who stole the show. I came here to say it's become clear to me. This is not my time. So after much prayer and deliberation, I have decided to suspend my campaign for president effective today. The field narrowing by one now with just one week to go before the third debate. I'm the only one in this race who's willing to take on Donald Trump head on. Chris Christie is a 2024 Republican presidential candidate and former governor of New Jersey. Everyone else in the race is seemingly running for a spot on the Trump ticket or someplace in the Trump cabinet because they refuse to criticize him directly. In fact, worse, they say that if he was a convicted felon, they'd still support him. Um, so, you know, I, I think that the reason it's our time is because the Republican Party, if we want to win an election again, which we haven't done since 2016, if we want to win one again, um, we better change the person at the top of the party. He's been a loser for us, and uh, we need to move on. Nikki Haley seems like she's ready to go after him a little bit more. She said it, uh, this past weekend at RJC, uh, we can't afford more chaos. That, that sounds like she's ready to take him on. Yeah, she wouldn't say his name, though. Um, and, um, you know, it's like it, she treats him like he's Voldemort. Um, uh, so, you know, look, the problem with Governor Haley is that she's been all over the map. She said he was such a good president that if he ran, she wouldn't run. She said after January 6th that um, we should give him a break. Um, she said that uh, she would be inclined to pardon him if she became president. I don't know. That sounds like a running mate, not like an opponent. So, Governor, if you believe the polling, right, most of the party supports former President Trump. That's just math. So if that's the reality you're facing, then it's not a winnable strategy then to say, well, I'm the only one going against him. Right. At some point, there has to be sort of a swaying of the base. No, Jessica, it's just not true that most of the party wants him. In fact, if you look at. All of the early state polling, whether it's Iowa or New Hampshire or South Carolina, he's below 50 percent. Now, if any other incumbent, Joe Biden, were under 50 percent with Democrats, folks would be going crazy about how he can't possibly run because he's under 50 percent with his own party. Donald Trump is not over 50 percent in any of the early states. He's not over 50 percent in any credible national poll. Um, more than half of this party doesn't want him and is searching for the right alternative. So I disagree with the premise of the question. And all you have to do is not take my opinion for it. Look at the numbers. A Des Moines Register poll came out yesterday. Yes, he was winning. Yeah. He was at 43%. Um, so it's fine. If he wins the Iowa caucuses, um, that's one thing. That'll get him about eight delegates. Um, we have some other very big races coming beyond Iowa. Um, and, you know, 43% of the vote for a guy who has won the nomination twice is uh, not something to hold a parade for. Okay, but just I just want to 
Real Clear Politics averages says Morning Consult, Trump has 61. The Messenger, Harris Act, 61. USA Today, Suffolk, 58. I, it does look like some, at least I, there are some polls that have him well over 43. Right. But national polls do not matter. That's <laughs> true. We, we don't have a national primary. Um, <laughs> we're going to vote it state by state. And after every state result, it will change the election in the next state to come. Okay. And so if Donald Trump were to um, have a close race in Iowa against Ron DeSantis, that would change the election significantly. Uh, because right now the poll stays up by 27 points. If Ron DeSantis were to come in there and lose by one or two, you all would be saying Trump underperformed expectations, DeSantis overperformed expectations, and all of a sudden he'd be on a jet plane, you know, um, heading to the top of the polls. So I, I want to remind you something. The Des Moines Register poll in October of 2016, you know who was winning? Ben Carson by 10 points. Well, Iowa has not necessarily been the best predictor as of late, yes. Well, okay. I'm just saying, you know, compare apples to apples. The Des Moines Register okay. poll in 2016, the Des Moines Register poll in 2024. Okay. Donald Trump's up by 27. Ben Carson was up by 10 in October of 2015 <laughs> for the 16 race over, you know, Donald Trump, over Ted Cruz. And Ted Cruz wound up winning those caucuses. And Donald Trump came in second. And Ben Carson was a distant fourth. Marco Rubio came in mm -hmm. third. So... There's so much time to go, Jessica. I know you guys all want this to be over, but it's not. <laughs> it's far from over, and um, it's not going to be over for a long time. Okay, so the next thing is the debate. I, I, you've qualified. You're, you're going, right? This field is, is winning. Yep. Okay, so what do you yep. expect? Look, it, I, it, I expect no more than four or five people on the stage. Um, if it's as small as four, you're going to get to hear a lot more from people. They've now increased the length of our answers from a minute to a minute and a half. Um, they've increased our ability to reply from 30 seconds to a minute. So you're going to be hearing more from the candidates. Um, and because there's fewer of us, you're going to be hearing more from each candidate, um, not only in their individual answers, but each candidate will be getting more questions. So I expect a pretty energetic debate on a uh, week from Wednesday, and I'm really looking forward to it. Let's talk about what's going on in the Middle East. It does seem like it seems like the what's happening, the, the violence in Israel is certainly shaping the race right now. And I, I think it remains to be seen. I think we all think it remains to be seen how long this will last. Will it shape the race even into next year? I imagine it will as far as you know, foreign policy discussions go. But, you know, now we have the Houthis in Yemen saying, we want to we want to keep firing rockets at Israel. We want to join this this fight in a bigger way. We keep hearing from the administration we don't want this to turn into something bigger, and that's why we've sent these carrier strike groups and these F-16s and F-15s to the region, to the Eastern Med and the Red Sea. It, is this the beginning of something bigger in your mind? Are you preparing for that? Look, I think that you know if you're going to be the next president. You know, you don't take over till January of 2025. And so trying to guess today what circumstances will look like on the ground in Israel throughout the Middle East and Ukraine, for that matter, um, is just a pure guessing game. But I do think that President Biden has taken the right steps by moving um, you know, two parts of the fleet into the area. And I think we all hope that it doesn't widen. I don't think you react yet to whether it's going to widen or not. 
Um, you know, the Houthis in Yemen, yep, they're talking. But in the end, um, the fact is that... They're so not just far, talking, they're firing rockets. Well, I, I, I understand that, but, the, but they're not firing rockets that are of any consequence um, to the Israelis. Um, with the Iron Dome and with the distance um, that they're shooting those rockets, the Israelis are going to be able to take care of that. And, and the Houthis do not present, at the moment, the threat that um, Hamas does or Hezbollah does. Those are the two biggest threats to Israel right now and the ones that they need to deal with. What should the State Department be doing right now as far as American hostages go uh, being held by Hamas? Well, I hope it's not just the State Department. I know they're engaged in discussions uh, through third parties um, with Hamas, and I think that's a good thing. But I hope that they're also using our intelligence community and our military intelligence to, A, try to see if we can locate where the American hostages are, and two, to see if there is a way for us to use our military assets to go in there and rescue our hostages. I think those are all things that should be being looked at um, by the Biden administration. I'm not saying it'll be a viable option. I don't know because I'm not being briefed. Yeah. But I, if I were president, I'd be demanding uh, to have plans like that on my desk so that I could consider whether it was a risk we wanted to take or not and whether it was more likely than not to get the hostages out alive. Yeah. Those are the things that we should be concerned about when it comes to American citizens being held in Gaza. You know, on the domestic front, Governor Christopher Ray, FBI director, told a Senate Homeland Security hearing uh, on Tuesday that he's, he's thinking not just about the, the possibility of loan attacks by people who are inspired by Hamas, but he also said this. We also cannot and do not discount the possibility that Hamas or another foreign terrorist organization may exploit the current conflict to conduct attacks here on our own soil. The Iranians, for instance, have directly, or by hiring criminals, mounted assassination attempts against dissidents and high-ranking current and former U.S. government officials, including right here on American soil. And Hezbollah has a history of obtaining money and weapons and spying here on U.S. soil. What's your reaction to that? I think that's the world we're living in right now, Jessica, and I'm glad that Director Ray is is saying those things out loud and making the American people be realistic about what we're confronting here. This is not something that can be ignored, as Donald Trump attempts to do, as Ron DeSantis attempts to do, as Vivek Ramaswamy attempts to do, um, in terms of how all of this stuff is interconnected. What's going on in Russia and Ukraine is interconnected with what's happening in the Middle East, is interconnected with what's happening in the South China Sea, because the, the foursome of evil, um, Iran, North Korea, uh, China, and Russia, are coordinating all of this activity, and China is paying for a lot of it, as is Iran with the oil money that the Biden administration has allowed them to get. And so uh, we've got to understand that we are not uh, absolutely immune from those type of attacks. And for somebody like me, who was appointed U.S. attorney in New Jersey on September 10th, 2001, oh. uh, I understand that acutely and very differently than anybody else who's in this race. 2024 Republican presidential candidate Chris Christie, thank you so much for joining us. Jessica, thanks for having me. It's always fun.
And in other news. I'm Gianna Gelosi. You've seen the headlines, you know the name, and now there's a competition in his honor. We're talking about Florida Man. A one-of-a-kind competition is going to hit the Sunshine State next year to put beer-loving and gator wrestling types against one another in what's being billed as the most insane athletic showdown on Earth. The Florida Man Games are going to feature nine bizarre competitions inspired by headlines involving guns, drugs, crime, booze, and reptiles, sometimes a combination of the five. There's going to be an evading arrest obstacle course where competitors jump over fences and escape actual police officers. A Category 5 cash grab where you try to grab as much money as you can in a wind-blowing booth. A best mullet contest, a beer belly wrestling match. You'll also have the opportunity to take selfies with alligators and take part in a barbecue contest. The creator is looking for contestants to represent different cities around Florida. Those interested are required to submit a video of themselves for consideration. The Florida man games slated for February 24th in St. Augustine. For the Fox News Rundown, I'm Gianna Gelosi. Perino, this week on Perino on Politics, I'm joined by Fox News Radio political analyst Josh Kroshar, and we discuss the narrowing of the 2024 Republican presidential primary field and Biden's really bad poll numbers. Available now on Apple, Spotify, and FoxNewsPodcast.com. Subscribe to this podcast at FoxNewsPodcasts.com. It's time for your Fox News commentary. Tommy Laren. What's on your mind? Ever since the brand partnership debacle with trans influencer Dylan Mulvaney, Bud Light has been hemorrhaging money and customers. But apparently the UFC and its CEO, Dana White, didn't get that angry memo because the two companies have worked up a multi-year marketing sponsorship. Starting in January, Anheuser-Busch will become the exclusive official beer partner of UFC, and Bud Light will be the official beer of the championship. And UFC fans, well, many aren't happy. Dana White has seen significant backlash to this decision since it was announced. Why would UFC attach itself to the single most divisive alcohol brand on the planet. Makes me wonder if the UFC is as oblivious about its customer base as Bud Light. The UFC can't save Bud Light and Bud Light certainly won't bolster the UFC at this point. If we ever see Dylan Mulvaney at a fight, well, Dana White might as well kiss his empire goodbye. I'm Tommy Laren and you can watch my show Tommy Laren is fearless at outkick.com. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. And now, stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen ad-free on Fox News Podcasts Plus on Apple Podcasts. And Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on Amazon Music. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. I'm Emily Campagno, and this is the Fox True Crime Podcast, bringing you closer to the story than you ever thought possible. Subscribe at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. These are the stories that keep you up at night. Hey, it's Clay Travis. Join me for Outkick the Show as we dive deep into a mix of topics. New episodes available Monday to Friday on your favorite podcast platform and watch directly on outkick.com forward slash watch.